Those are some nice looking headphones, though. I've had them comfy. for a long time. They're comfy. I mean, they're not like I don't think they were an expensive pair. Like you know, I can't even uh, name Sennheiser. The, high yeah, quality. Those, uh, that was something we had back at the radio station back in the day. Those were so comfy. Yeah. I really yeah. want I've never considered stealing an item, but it was that. That was they're the item that comfy. I would have stolen. But I think that's all I do because they're not really noise canceling or anything. No. So yeah. But they're comfortable and they got, you know, the head cushion. This is great talk. It is good head to foot. Well, you know, you know people don't appreciate a good over-the-ear headphone anymore, I don't think, because we've gotten think. so used to they want the tiniest thing possible in their ear. And With I get earbuds, it. They want the no wires now, you know? I mean, I would prefer the no wire. Uh, I, think I like I would, a good wire. I think I would like to upgrade to a nice pair of over-the-ear headphones. So oh, yeah. We'll see about that. Oh, yeah. That was always my, my... I always wanted to save up for that and that, and I would always buy... Uh, little little aux adapters, you know. Then oh, I could, yeah. So I'd have my little headphones I could plug into my thing, but then I could break those headphones, plug them in at work. Back when I uh, worked, when I worked uh, for a professional radio station. Oh, you're right, right, right. I just use the same headphones at work and at home. That a really good pair. Still do. They're somewhere back there, somewhere by my Xbox. I'm sure. I'll tell you what I can't get on board with is I do see a lot of people with over the ear headphones at the gym. And I can't do the sweatiness. I get, no. They, I need an earbud for that. Yeah. But I also get, you know, sometimes they fall out when you're running. What can you do? You know, that's First world said, problem. I, I think that we can both agree, hopefully, that the headphone <laughs> that was like the little headphone that went over your head, but they were like really, they were like little two little circle discs, like two little Oreo sized discs that just went on your ears <gasps> that just like fell they apart. Hurt. They threw off, flew off your head so easily, you know, and you, you everybody could hear what you're listening to. They Everyone could hear the little f- that. foamy pieces would rip off and it would just scratch yeah. your ear and poke and it. So then you were just stuck with a, you know, uh, an uncovered earbud, you know, just scraping up against your ear. It was awful. Wow. Yeah. What a flashback. It's the kind that, that uh, you know, Star Lord has on his Walkman. Those are the, those kind of headphones. That's true. That's know. true. <laughs> we should uh we should mention that uh, uh garrett's taking some time off from the show before we really yeah, get started yeah yeah gonna take a little hiatus to work on uh some some good fun stuff uh mm-hmm. that he's been working on for a while so it'll be um we're not going anywhere though the show it's it, it's no. not going to change anything for you uh dear listener uh mm-hmm. we will continue uh to bring you all the great new movies and and good stuff like that uh, it's true the only thing changing less wrestling references more 2000s country references probably to both yeah i mean i think we're gonna well you know garrett i think we'll uh, pop in here and there Mm. uh, throughout the summer we might try to get andrew to pop in we might try to get some other some other friends to pop in so uh be be checking your inboxes people because we might be reaching out to you i think it'd be fun Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll try to have, and then and then Garrett, uh, his plan is to return full time uh, after he's conducted concluded some business. Conclude, yeah. Once his business is finished, I don't know if he wants us sharing what he's doing. It's case, not, hey, it's not my story to tell. In case I it guess. doesn't go well, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but speaking of guests, I got to be a, a guest on a podcast. Oh yeah, uh, very recently this. that I that I was excited about. So uh, our friends over at the Double Feature Movie Club 
asked me to be on to talk about a pair of Robert Redford movies, oh, uh, which is not my wheelhouse. And yeah. I had to admit it. I was like, guys, uh, Robert Redford's a little bit of a blind they, spot um, for me. Are they the ones he did with Paul Newman? They, he, no, they were not. They were newer. Dang. They were newer Robert Redford movies. So we talked okay. about All is Lost, which okay. came out in 2013, uh, which is fascinating because uh, he, Robert Redford is the only person in that movie. It is a survival story. Mm. Uh, he is the only person in the movie and he only speaks 41 words. Uh, it's, oh. it's completely dialogueless. So it's like kind 65 of, minus dinosaurs. Right. <laughs> um, and then we talked about the old man and the gun, which is kind of like a classic seventies heist. Yeah. I think um, I heard of that one actually. That one, uh, according to Robert Redford is, is his final film. He decided that would be his retirement movie. Mm-hmm. And so far he's kept to it, I believe. Yeah. His, um, actually, I believe technically he had a little post retirement appearance in Avengers Endgame. But oh, you know what? He had a shot You're that right. before though. You're right. That's probably true. They were He's sitting right. on that for a while. Uh, but uh, it was, because uh, I guess he had filmed that before he filmed Old Man of the yeah. Gun. It just came out after. Uh, but if y'all want to listen to that, and you should, because they uh, talk about a lot of fun movies too and have a good time over there, you can check them out at Double Feature Movie Club on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, you can hear um, Max the dog squeaking a toy back yeah, there. Yeah, he's um, our third co-host this week, I guess. So he my, just... my wife was asking me at the end of the Jumanji podcast, she goes, what happened at the end of the show? And and I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, Josh just like stopped talking. And then like Garrett said, he's having so much fun. And when I was so confused that I was like, oh, and then I went and I went and listened to it back and I went, oh yeah, Max, you can, you know. So yeah, I had to you give can't the whole, tell in the audio. <laughs> the audio listener, Max the dog was squeaking his toy like crazy. I didn't think and about that. It, so it was, it was quite funny. But Josh was like, I just got to mute the mic and let this happen. And power through it. Well, you know, I can't stop him. He's a yeah. madman. He's a madman. He's power um, hungry. I know. I know. Um, well, we want to get into the movie. We're talking about a big one. Today. Yes. Yes, let's we're, do it. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. You you know it, you love it. Mm-hmm. It's the Guardians' final movie. Mm-hmm. We've been told, and I believe mm-hmm. that. I think we're gonna. Ooh man, let's try. Let's try to keep it spoiler free for as long as we can. Yeah, I think yeah, that's we'll, smart. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll warn you for upcoming spoilers. But I think we can try to keep it. A surface, we'll yeah. keep it surface level to start, and and if we have to, we'll, we have we'll, to get into the nitty gritty. We will. We will give plenty of warning. I promise. Yes. Um, so this movie tells a little bit of a different story than we're used to. I think uh, we find the guardians needing to save Rocket's life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I don't I don't think a spoiler. That's essentially the plot. They're they're trying to they need they need to go on a quest essentially to find an object and some people to save his life. And along the way, um, they get into hijinks. That's the plot. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're sort of given uh, uh, we're sort of told Rocket's backstory. Yep. Um, get some of that flashback, and then and then yeah, we um you know we go on some adventures. There's a uh, laughs but there's also some very uh so, so there's some serious stuff as well so um yeah we, you know we previously have reviewed guardians one and two back in the um the very brief Soundtooth studio days and uh um 
I don't remember if that was the recording where I, I smashed my head on the bottom of their recording table. <laughs> I forgot about that. Did you? I, I, we, we did a couple of different recordings in that studio from, oh, I don't know who knows what year, 2018, sometime in 2018 and sometime at the end of 2018 when they got uh, hosed on that deal. They got like the 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 person next door just offered the the studio the the the, the renter more money and they were like yeah sure take it I was like well we anyway so America, yeah it, we had a lot capitalism. of fun in there we constantly were trying to have to set up the set up the sound equipment what should have been like an hour long recording was always like a three and a half hour recording because we had to like set up all the mics and get it all figured out but uh, our good friends over at Sounds Tooth uh, was it Landry and Quinn. We're renting it. Was it was it them together? Yeah, I think so. I don't really. I don't. I don't. I don't know the contractual details mm-hmm. of their previous deals. Listen, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so you can listen to our Guardians One and Guardians Volume Two podcast. I love both Guardians movies tremendously. Um, if I had to do like a, if you went and you like did like a ranked based thing off of my letterbox list, I think Guardians and Captain America both are like very high high ranking for me. Uh, which is great because it couldn't be different. They, they're very different in terms of their overall franchise feel. Uh, first Guardians is great. Second uh, Guardians, I, I I personally love a lot. I think a lot of people don't like it as much as the first one, but um, but I loved it. And so I honestly, first impressions, I don't think I can praise this uh, third movie enough. It was um, tremendous. It had a... a um, people always want to talk about the greater MCU. Oh, the MCU is back. Oh, this is what the MCU should be like. Blah, 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 blah. All that nonsense. All they that do, anyway. yeah. They back and forth. But honestly, just a really solid movie that if you have enjoyed the last two Guardians movies, and honestly, even, even if you only just kind of enjoyed it, you will like this too, I think. Um, very emotional story. Um, one of my more, the characters that I've liked this whole time, Rocket, we really get to see more of what makes him who he is. And, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a solid, not like the most complicated villain, but a solid villain that you really want to see get beat, you know? And, uh, yeah. And then, um, they, uh, they handle the aftermath of uh, Avengers Endgame and infinity war in a way that doesn't cheapen that movie, but, uh, helps to helps to tell a unique story because it could have been very easy to, take the decisions of those movies and just kind of go, eh, you know, whatever, and, and move on with it, you know, and just go right back to telling the same story they were already doing. Um, you know, do I have complaints? I probably have a couple, I guess, but overall I loved it. Yeah. Okay. Great. 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 Uh, I also loved it. Uh, I thought it was really a fitting into this trilogy um and and, you know there's a lot like you said to be said about people talking about ah this is what the mcu i like i've seen several videos on tiktok of people being like this made me feel like uh marvel was back and i have a small issue with that which is that that's what they say to every marvel movie that comes out um, they always then, say that this is we, the one that someone's saying they're back. Somebody else will say, Oh, it's full on full woke now, you know, right, you right, right. Spectrum with each film, you know, it happens every time. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I have no opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I will say though, is that this movie kind of, <clears throat> it, it doesn't fit the, uh, formula that marvel's been doing lately 
And that is in its favor in a huge way. And I think that's what is, that's what people are noticing. It feels refreshing because it is a fully contained story. It is about these characters. There's not crossover. I think I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about saving the world or fighting a massive villain or anything. It is about um, saving of the life of one of their uh, family members. Mm-hmm. That's what the main issue is. That's so the yeah. th- those are the stakes. So it's different stakes. It's a different kind of story. And so it feels refreshing, I think. Um, Cause so much of the Marvel universe has become or universe has become interconnected and interwoven that sometimes you forget how nice it can be to just watch a self-contained story. Um, and mm. they've done a few of those lately, but um, I don't know. And they've, they've done others with degrees of that, you know, yeah. um, I would say that, uh, you know, Wakanda forever was a fairly contained story with a little bit of interjection into a, a, a story that may have, a, you know, a thread that may be picked up later. Um, and then you have right. something like Dr. Strange and Ant-Man that were like very, uh, heavily intertwined with other stories that have been previously told and Steph and laying groundwork for bigger future stories. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of, you know, that, that might be sort of, it's a, in terms of the MCU as a whole, there's sort of a, a give and take on, you know, some, some people really love it. And there was a time where I was all, I, I was all I wanted. I was like, Oh man, you know, uh, I want this character to show up and I really want these team ups and I want all that stuff. And now it's nice to kind of, settle and it is the movies where things are kind of like one character story or in this case one group of characters story um and i thought it went really well here um so i also jack josh did you watch the um uh, guardians of the galaxy uh, christmas special i did yeah so this one uh picks up a little bit after that and uh we see that uh peter's still struggling with gamora and Mm -hmm. Uh, with the state of their relationship now, because the Gamora that he loved uh, is gone. Spoilers for uh, <laughs> Infinity War, right? And uh, but this new version from an alternate past is here, and I thought that the the dynamic there was really interesting, and that they could have very, like I said, Gunn could have very easily just written it to be a simple ah blah blah blah. Now we're in love again, and everything's fine. But it was kind of interesting that they they didn't go that path, and it kind of took on its own new relationship. And it's not like a nice bow on it. You know, they, the consequences of previous films are, are real. And on that note, um, we got to see sort of a, a more, we got to see obviously a lot of rocket, but I think that everybody from whether it was Nebula or Mantis or Drax, they all got to have their moments to move, keep, you know, to move their character forward and to, uh, show how they have grown since that first Guardians movie when they were all, you know, like a group of, you know, basically broken runaways, you know, um, and how this family has changed them. Yeah, there's a lot of growth for the characters in these movies. And that is, um, I think, a huge credit to to James Gunn as a writer and director of this entire series um, that he's been able to do that because these characters are so different from where they are in the first Guardians movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, one of the big... No, I think the biggest one to me is Nebula. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, who is uh, maybe for the first time actually pretty likable in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not. She still has her anger, angry, bitter moments, but mm-hmm. she also like shines a lot, and you get to see some of some Nebula humor in this. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm like, this is this is great character development. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, because she started off as just basically you know henchman femme fatale, right? Right, right, and. And a little bit of her story was there, but not as fully explored as it could be. And then it gave you a little, you get this uh, great story in volume two about her and Gamora and their rivalry and what their relationship was, was like, and they get some kind of catharsis. And then the next part of that is her role in infinity war, her role in Endgame, which this movie. So, I mean, I don't know if this was always um, James Gunn's um, thought on it, but he picks that strand up or that thread up so well, because I'll get into a little bit of spoilers here, but. Nebula is really affected by Rocket's um, state when he gets hurt. Um, they're all affected to some degree, but it's kind of interesting to see Nebula and how impacted she is. Because when you remember is that Nebula and Rocket were the only two guardians that survived uh, Thanos's snap, you know? So it was for all that time, it was the only guardians left were Nebula and Rocket. So their relationship grew in that time. And we saw a little bit of it in game in in game, them interacting and you see it here that like, you know, that time where they were holding it together, like that it really bonded them. And she's really uh, she's really motivated to save Rocket's life as much as anybody else. Um, but you also see that with Peter, he is unwilling to lose another friend um, the way that he's lost others at this point. Um, yeah. So it's. I would say with the exception of Drax, Drax has his emotional moments at, at times in this movie too. But with the exception of Drax, everybody's really busted up about Rocket being hurt. And Drax is like, he's he he's hurt, but he's also kind of like... He's in still his there. own way, right? Because yeah, you know. Drax doesn't really feel feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's but some that, great moments in, in playing with that too that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. with him and Mantis. Um, yes. And that's another great aspect of this series is not just how they work together as a team, but the the smaller relationships within it, Drax and Mantis, Drax and Nebula, mm-hmm. um, uh, Rocket and everyone. <laughs> um, it's just really cool to see them shine kind of off the team yeah. Um, yeah. as well. Yeah, those dynamics. And then, of course, you can't leave out Groot who is now jacked Groot. Um, he was jacked Groot was a little, was a borderline too much. And that, and that reminds me of what, of a, of a, uh, this is a James Gunn nitpick. That is a personal thing. Okay. Why is he so disgusting? And, uh, James Gunn. Why is he so gross? Who, who Groot? No, James Gunn. <laughs> There's so many gross visuals in this movie. Yeah. That remind me of some of the gross visuals in the Suicide Squad, and mm-hmm. and of course, and some of the other movies he's done previously. But this is like the most gross Guardians movie. Yeah, he has some good, just generally gruesome, gross stuff. It's not even like bloody all the no, time. No, it's not. It's, it's just not like, gory. Ugh. It's gross. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's like not remotely gory um, you know, for the most part. There's just some ick. You it know, there's a lot uh, of ick. Mild spoiler: they go to a um like a laboratory that is made of biomaterial so like instead of being made of like metal and stuff it's made of like skin it's just gross yeah it's it's like they're walking around on a flesh machine 
Yeah. It's, and it's the, icky. And the cameras are eyeballs. I don't need know? that. It was very funny. But that is where we get some fun. Uh, that's one of the places where we get some fun cameos from this movie. True. Um, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. And I think it goes back to his, his slither days. He's just gross. I know. That, you know. I know. He's a gross guy. Um, you know, it gives me, it does give me uh, tremendously, a lot of confidence. I already had confidence, but it gives me even more confidence that uh, Superman is in good hands. Because right. if James Gunn can make people care this much about a raccoon named Rocket, then man, what can he do with Superman? So I'm really, I'm really hopeful for his pickup there. But anyway, that's what, what's not. What, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think you know. I was a little. I wouldn't say recently I was nervous, but like in the months. Coming up to this movie, I was a little nervous about it because, you know, this movie got delayed so massively um, because of the inner turmoil going on uh, between Disney and and James Gunn and his firing and then his rehiring and all that, that I just kind of thought, man, I just hope this movie doesn't suffer because Mm -hmm. of that. Um, and that wouldn't really be a knock on anyone's talent involved. I just, you know, sometimes those things screw up movies. Yeah. Uh, so I was nervous, but I think in hindsight, now I hope, uh, I, I, I hope that whoever fired James Gunn has apologized many, many times because yeah. I can't imagine this movie having been done without him. No. Yeah. I mean, um, to kind of like, to kind of look ahead, to jump off that and look ahead, um, you know, this is the end of this iteration of the Guardians. Right. Does that mean that we'll never have another Guardians of the Galaxy movie named Guardians of the Galaxy? I, I don't think so, because I think I they've that. left the door open well enough that you could have new iterations of a team called the Guardians of the Galaxy. But uh, and James Gunn himself uh, was watching a TikTok the other day. He gives his blessing to that beat. And he says what he hopes is if anybody picks up the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, uh, title to move forward that they just that they um they use their own style they create their own style and they don't they don't feel like they have to copy what he did or have to uh have to try to capture what he did you know do your own thing with it right that's that's really the way to look at it is that this is the end of james gunn's guardians of the galaxy uh what happens in the future who knows um but i i can't imagine someone else making this movie after no. having seen it or it not being made at all. Like, I think it is as far as the, as far as the offshoot franchises go within the MCU, I, it might be the most perfect trilogy they've got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a stronger three films than Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America is the only other arguable one. I think, <laughs> Yeah, Those three because, movies are really good. Because even though, even though, you know, the first Avenger is a very is is it's very it's pretty different than Winter Soldier and Civil War. Yeah. It's still I still find it really enjoyable. It, I think no, it's I like pretty, it too. You know, it is good. So it's you know, that's a it's a good trilogy. This is probably the most complete one because like you said, the one the thing that the one thing, well, I guess that's not true because I think Ant-Man had the same director. I was gonna say the same director was that was there for each one of these. Ant-Man had Peyton Reed on all three of those, but um but uh you know the 
Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man all had different directors mm-hmm. within the franchise. So not they didn't have one director for the full trilogy. So James Gunn's been able to tell his full story here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, obviously it's changed and grown and, you know, it was delayed by his firing and rehiring. And then the pandemic delayed it a, a little bit more. Um, you know, this film would have come out like a year or two, probably after Endgame, if uh, in, in, in the perfect world. Um, but, uh, but here we are. And I honestly, you know, I think everything really worked out because, um, because it ends up being a story, it ends up being a third film in a franchise. And I don't know how often we can say this, that perfectly complements its previous to its predecessors and kind of makes them better in retrospect, because now you have this all this now you have this context of this film that when you rewatch guardians one and you rewatch guardians volume two, you're going to know some of that backstory and it's going to make you appreciate the times where they did um, foreshadow what was going to happen and the times where they did, you know, leave a little something just for you to go, man, I want to know more about that, you know? Um, So I, I I think, uh, yeah, I think this is maybe the best third one. I don't know if I can say that for sure or not. It's definitely one of the best third ones it, in a I'd, franchise. I'd, I'd, I'd take that fight. Yeah. Um, I do also want to talk about the soundtrack a little bit. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, I Ga- want to talk Guardians, about that, too. The Guardians are nothing without their soundtrack, of course. Yes. Uh, and nobody does ex- it like James Gunn. Expertly curated by James Gunn. I tell you what, this is a really good one. I like this soundtrack more than the second one. I don't so, know about volume one is really good, too, though. Volume one was was iconic. It started it. Yeah. Volume two, I have grown to love. Yeah. And then um, volume three, um, first reaction, there's only like two or three songs that really stood out to me. So re- going back, I, I can't wait to watch it again because going back, I'll probably pick up on those other ones that didn't really stand out. But um, uh, I don't know. You can look up the soundtrack right now. Spoiler if you want. I've got a list. Spoiler alert if you want out there, but you can find the soundtrack right now on on the internet. But uh, I love Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. That was uh, excellent was use. Literally rocking in my chair. I always I always pop for Beastie Boys, even though I wasn't a Beastie Boys fan as a kid. But Steve right. Doyle turned me into a Beastie Boys fan. Ain't that something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned that because I felt like. Oh, you muted yourself. You muted yourself. Oh, because it's squeaking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I was like, oh, you felt like what? <laughs> I felt like there. Uh, this movie remind, and I was, I wanted to ask you and Garrett this specifically. Parts of this movie really reminded me of college because there are a handful of songs in here that are like specifically uh, the three of us RSU radio era. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I, this Beastie Boys, obviously, because of, of the Doyle. Um mm-hmm. Dog Days Are Over is mm-hmm. is featured in a great moment. San Francisco by the Mowgli's uh, really yes really piqued my interest. And then, yeah, it's been a long time since I've heard a Mowgli song. And then the Flaming Lips. Yes, I was all like, "This is reminding me. This is this movie's making me nostalgic, and that means <laughs> I'm gonna cry." <laughs> it was um, it was really surprising which songs popped up because. Um, because yeah, because at the end of volume two, Peter gets a Zune. Love which, that. 
you know, would be circa what, 2006? I, I got a friend who swears by the Zune. You know, I didn't have a Zune, but I had a I friend either. who had the Zune. And it did look cool, but They swear by it, the people who had one. It was, it did look cool. And I'm sure it had some fun features. And I remember the, my, I told my wife, uh, cause she forgot about the Zune. And I said, oh, it's one of the best jokes in volume two where Craglin gives him the Zune. And he says, it's got 300 songs on it. And Peter's face was just like 300 songs. Like it was the most amazing he thing he had ever heard. Yeah. He could never imagine more than 12 songs on a, on a tape. But um, yeah, um, obviously there's the song that they use in the trailer um since you've been gone uh by rainbow and then uh i also was uh uh really excited to hear uh hear crazy on you which is always good by heart um so there was there was still some of that 60s 70s 80s vibe in there too uh uh did the film oh it opened with um it opened with Radiohead, didn't it? It opened with an acoustic uh, version of Creep, yeah. Yeah. That, so that I also your, really enjoyed. So there's your uh, Turbo's Metal Meltdown a little bit there. Is yeah. Radiohead metal? I don't know. No! Maybe I'm wrong. Is Radiohead not metal? Radiohead is not met, metal. I don't know nothing I don't about metal. So. I remember I told uh, Turbo asked me my favorite metal band, and I was like, uh, I, I only know Pantera. He was like, that's fine. Man. Um, But yeah, Take it was it. a... I can't wait to, to watch it back again because... Like, yeah, I, I remember walking out of volume two and being like, eh, you know, soundtrack wasn't quite as good. It was. But yeah, I, it didn't, you know, take but me upon away. upon rewatching it, um, you know, several times, uh, it's grown on me a lot. You know, I love Brandy. I love uh, uh, come a little bit closer. Um, mm. I love all that stuff. So um, I'm sure this one will grow on me a lot, too. Uh, anyway, uh, he's great at this. I'm kind of wondering if he's going to do this with Superman legacy a little bit, if he's going to use some licensed music in that, because he did it with suicide squad, which also had a really great soundtrack. Um, so I am curious to see, uh, how that goes going forward. He has I, a great job of selecting these things. I do feel like it's part of his, his, his style. So it wouldn't mm -hmm. surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> was there uh so yeah we talked about i had a thought that i was trying to think of and i i completely lost it oh we also had uh that was Bruce james Gunn was on here yep yeah we got uh, your badlands uh, okay yes brightburn do you remember the movie brightburn yes i do i remember uh, i that never was, saw it but i saw it come out it was james gunn produced mm -hmm. and it also if i remember right featured a very well-used Billie Eilish song. And I remember thinking, oh, that's the James Gunn produce. <laughs> that's his producer tag. That's yeah. his, we the best music. <laughs> it's a, it's a well-placed pop culture reference. Right. Musical form. So yeah, he probably will have a, some kind of musical flair to Superman. Yeah. But like you said, I can't imagine anybody else uh, doing this because it, it was such a, you know, um, people have said this, and I think it's fair to say, I think that two of the most influential movies on the MCU specifically. Now, there's been a lot of influences that different directors have drawn from. But I think in terms of the MCU's style over the last few years, I think two of the more influential movies are both Captain America Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. There was something about how those two different movies did a superhero movie. One, it was the Russo style of that sort of like quick action, fast paced you know, uh, um, you know, spy wit or, you know, kind of thing. And then the guardians version of just like super ridiculous humor, 
crazy characters. Hey, you know what? People will accept a talking tree if you just do it right, right? And those two things kind of are the two, you know, the cosmic side, the cosmic weird comic book side, and the sort of we're trying to make this as realistic as we can comic book side and how those two things have merged together over time. Those are, like, I feel like the two most influential uh, MCU movies. So James Gunn has, you know, had a huge impact on comic book movies because I think you can see its influence outside of the MCU as well. Um, We talked about how Dungeons and Dragons reminded us a lot of Guardians. Um, Yeah. I think that, um, I think that you can see a little bit of influence there with Shazam. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, these movies are ripoffs in any way. I think they're, they're, they're their own thing, but I think that it's gone a long way of how to do superhero movies can be pushed, can be put to how successful guardians was and making a premise that shouldn't have worked and making it work. Yeah. 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 It, it absolutely works all the way through and it, and it only continues to get weirder <laughs> and still works. I mean, we get a talking dog in this movie. We haven't even mentioned Cosmo. Cosmo. Is a great yeah. character uh, yeah. who has a great running joke with uh, uh, Sean Gunn's character. Mm-hmm. Um, Craglin. Craglin. I almost said Kilgore, and I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Kilgore. That's um, that's another uh, character of something. Kilgore. Yeah. Why do I know that name? Exactly, no, right? <laughs> Kilgore. He was in something, that's for sure. I don't know. But are, you go- are you Googling it? You go- I am. Googling I'm Googling, Googling Kilgore. Kilgore. <laughs> it's not Killmonger. That was a bike. It's Panther. not Killmonger. It's Kilgore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, it was a Kilgore is a character in Apocalypse Now, but I don't think that's where I'm getting it from. What was uh what was David Tennant's character's name in Jessica Jones? Oh my gosh. I think is that's that it? I think I don't think it's it. No, but no, I think that's no, sorry, that's Kilgrave. Now I think just, that's yeah. what I'm doing though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm thinking Kilgrave. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah Craglin. Uh, yeah. Gets a uh, nice little running bit with Cosmo that I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, Cosmo, um, who we, we do also, see. Also, Craglin yeah. has a great storyline uh, in his quest to, you know, what would you call it? I don't know, sort of uh, pick up Yondu's legacy. Take, the, yeah, take on the, the mantle of the of the Ravagers or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, Step you know, into Yondu's footsteps. If you go back, it's, that is one of the parts of Volume 2 that admittedly makes me cry, is uh, you get a little bit more of Yondu's story. He was kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, or not Yondu, you get Yondu's story, obviously, but Kraglin in the first one is kind of just Yondu's sidekick who also kind of looks like a human. But um, between that first movie and now, you have in the second movie and in the holiday special. And now here you kind of get to see that like Craglin and, and, and rock and uh, St- uh, Peter are kind of, you know, they're kind of similar. They're brothers in ways. And, uh, you know, Craglin is entrusted with Yondu's uh, uh, arrow and he really wants to take it. He really wants to use it. And so, um, yeah, he gets his, he gets his moment to sort of, uh, it's like uh, everyone grow. in the movie gets a, a chance to like take the next step yeah up as a there, character here here's something i can say so people are going to have commentary so like a lot of people are going to talk about adam warlock so i'm going to mm. exclude him a little bit in this particular comment but for the most part there are no wasted characters in this movie like there is nobody uh, nobody has like even if their role is to be a creepy little monster that sh- shuffles out of a cage it's executed exactly how it needs to be executed now that said, we can talk a little bit about Adam Warlock and Will Poulter. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting space Superman, you know, 
with, with with this character because he is like a super powerful character. He does have a very specific story in the comics. And for the most part, he's kind of Will Poulter from We Are the Millers with superpowers. He's a little bit of a dope. He's a little bit of a man baby. And it's funny and it works. And <clears throat> um, his he made me laugh. But I do think that is going to be a character that James is leaving for someone else to kind of tell a bigger story with. Because um, sure. here he's kind of he kind of serves in that role that kind of Nebula had in the first Guardians, like you talked about, where he's kind of a henchman for the most part. And a lot of people are going to have some people are going to have a problem with that. But I think everything else is so good, I can forgive it. Yeah, I, I I will say that Adam Warlock's one of my nitpicks. Uh, I didn't, I don't know anything about that character, so I don't have any background knowledge on him. But I do feel like Will Poulter seemed to be underutilized. Uh, I think he's a lot better as an actor than what he did with Adam Warlock. Okay. I, but maybe that's the character. I don't know him. Uh, and I also felt like at times his storyline made the movie feel a little overstuffed. Hmm. Mm, that's fair there were parts of the movie that i felt were a little overstuffed and that's just like the most criticism i have that's fair because you know i do think that you could you know for the most part you could do the movie without him and and yeah and, and yeah with a, with a few couple tweaks you could you know you could uh the movie would work the same um but i think you know obviously they had set it up and i don't think that this is my speculation i don't think james gunn wanted to uh just leave that thread completely un, unpulled on. So he, he, you know, he did what he could with it. And to, to an extent, James has wildly changed a lot of these characters from their comic book versions. You oh, know? I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, like he's no, he's no, it's no more egregious than like, you know, the changes he did with Drax and Mantis and the changes that he did with, uh, with star Lord. It's no more egregious than that. So, I mean, like, you know, this is James Gunn's version of guardians of the galaxy, right? This is not, it's not. I don't think he ever intended it to be a one for one of the comics to the to the screen. And if you can right. accept that, you'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know anything, so I accept it as he is. Uh, I just don't know. We'll see. Like you said, if anyone does anything with him in the future, don't know that I like him. If this is all we ever see of him. <laughs> well, you know what? That's 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 funny. You know, he's a kind of a big dopey man baby right now. Yeah, but. Where will he reappear? Who knows? You know, will he reappear? Who knows? We'll find out. I mean, Will Poulter's a great actor. So if you've got him, if you got him available, I'd use him right, um, for right. something. But yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, I had one other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, and now I'm blanking on what it was. Oh, no. Um, That's the worst. Yeah, dang. Uh, so uh, go back to... Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any more nitpicks of the movie? Um, not that I'm willing to spoil. <laughs> okay. okay. But I do have one more, but it's it, like, I'll tell you later. It's really small. <laughs> okay. Okay. And maybe um, I'll talk about it in a future episode when more people have watched the movie. Maybe. I'm trying to see if there was a, maybe there's a hint somewhere in this wikipedia article that will put me back on track um you know we also get introduced to a couple other new characters we get to meet rocket's uh first family if you will yep. and so i thought that was all handled incredibly well it was made me emotional uh, i made my wife very emotional um there's been a lot of talk about um the 
uh, animal cruelty in this movie and uh, we're kind of like getting in but i kind of think you know that uh i was talking to my wife about it because she had she had been told it was really graphic some of the, the animal cruelty and we were talking about it and i was like I, I don't think it rose to the level of graphic but it definitely is unsettling um for sure like if you if you're squeamish about that sort of thing but for the most part everything kind of happens off camera there's a lot of implied um animal torture but there's nothing overly gruesome that you see. When we talked about the gross stuff, the it really doesn't. I don't think you see too many animals get too gruesomely. Now you see the aftermath a little bit with you know some of these characters, but um, and it's it's unsettling to see. But at the same time, those characters are so warm themselves that it kind of overshadows what they look like. Uh, yeah. So I, I um, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of what else. The other thing I was going to talk I... about. But yeah, I had one more thing I wanted wanted to talk about, and it was uh, the villain in this movie. The yeah, high, yeah, the high yeah. evolutionary. Yeah, um, I, I, we talk. We've talked in the past about how like sometimes these Marvel villains aren't aren't, aren't that great. I liked mm. this one a lot. Yeah, uh, this one felt like sometimes I was like, is this Guardians of the Galaxy or like a really uh, high thinking Star Trek episode? Because mm. we're talking about the ethics of of I, I don't even know gen, like manual, manipulation man, yeah. manual evolution at a high yeah. at a high speed like it's it's the real villain in this is like not about you know it's not a thanos style mm-hmm. i want to wipe out civilization to make no. it better this is like i want to play god to make creatures yeah. better yeah he wants it's, a, you it's know. almost more evil to me <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, it's uh, it's like what, what's the it's uh, Doctor Moreau, you know, he's like, you know, it's uh, it's very specifically evil. Yeah, he doesn't want to wipe out the universe. He doesn't really care about the rest of the universe. He wants to create his own perfect civilization, and he doesn't. And in his mind, the ends will always justify the means, as far as right. that is concerned. And that makes for a very um, that can make for a very one dimensional villain. But I think that um. The actor here performs it to an incredibly sadistic level. And you do see you do see moments of his quote unquote, his sweet side, his good side. You know, when he's when he's um, teaching Rocket, um, there's a little bit of spoiler, but when he's teaching Rocket, you see him being kind of seemingly being an attentive, helpful, uh, you know, a, a guide to Rocket. But it's very quick. It's very brief before he turns that switch and you see, oh, this is what he's actually like, though. This is what he's at. This is his actual thing. And yeah, as played wonderfully. You hate him. You want to see him get beat. You know, this is a good job of like, you know, you don't really really want to, you don't. you know, there's there's some here villains that you relate to a little bit. You don't relate to the high evolutionary if you uh, do, you, you need help. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a red flag movie. If you red go, yeah, flag, red you know, flag. I really related to the high evolutionary. No, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, it was a yeah, really. It's a really interesting. I, I mean, it's an interesting concept, and I think that the way that they performed it here, the way they executed here, is like Star Trek. It is like they they ran across somebody who's been just kind of operating unchecked in the galaxy somewhere mm-hmm. and doing pretty despicable things over time. And you kind of, and, and um, do you know how to pronounce the actor's name? I don't, I don't either. So I'm, I feel bad about that. I, I, yes. I, but 
but I won't, I won't uh, butcher it intention uh, in that case, but he performs us so well and it's written so well that you totally understand why rocket is afraid of him and why rocket does not want in any way to go back to this. Yes. We've heard for, for the first two movies now that what happened to rocket was unspeakable to the point where we never find out until this movie when we're shown and I feel like they live up to it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, rocket went through some stuff and mm-hmm. it was bad. Uh, I mean, with, you know, you mentioned the animal cruelty earlier. It's not that it's graphic per se, but it is like very emotionally hitting the way it's presented. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, yeah. Rocket. <laughs> because, because the way, you know, the way that rocket develops is that when they, when they experiment on him, he doesn't suddenly become like a, a fully functioning adult. He's a child. When these experiments start to work, when he starts to be able to think and speak, he's a child, which makes it extra unsettling that he's so, you know, young at mind and young at heart, having these, you know, generally awful things done to him and that his friends are this way, too. So it's very um, it's it's very and it's unsettling. And you think about how old he is when he first leaves. It totally justifies how he is when we first meet him in Guardians of the Galaxy, um, where he's. He's angry and vindictive and he trusts no one. And he <clears throat> he has managed to establish a relationship with Groot. I was kind of hoping there was a part of me that told me we'd get one more flashback where he meets Groot. But because uh, I, I would love to know how he and uh, Groot formed their bond, because that was the only thing we knew about him in that first Guardians movie was he established a bond with this with Groot. And yeah. that would have been interesting to see. But I, I'm uh, with it not being on the table at this point. Um but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, like I said, not wasted, high evolutionary. He's he do chews up scenery and he uh, he's intimidating. And uh, man, you want to talk about spoiler alert, grossness? We got to see the <laughs> it's like that episode of Family Guy where it goes to the Phantom of the Opera, let's see the gross half of your face, you know. <laughs> it was pretty gruesome, it was unfortunate. <laughs> that is. <laughs> That is absolutely true. That was it was unfortunate. Uh, uh, you know, and, and in the close-ups of his face throughout the movie, I was like, I don't like how this skin bunches up. I mm-hmm. feel like that's coming off later. No, that would definitely gave me Star Trek Insurrection vibes. Yeah, yeah. with the with the, with the stre- face stretchers. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of Star Trek in this movie. <laughs> it's true. There's From you know us. Star Star Trek's a good uh, a good influence to go with. It is. It is. Uh, I wanted to. Oh, I finally thought of it. Um, okay, well, good. What is it? Oh no! What did you think of? Uh, uh forgot it. Dang it! Oh, All right. Well, that's embarrassing. What a You're podcast! You're killing me. What a podcast! Well, you said something, and it brought it back to my mind. Now I've lost it again. Well, but uh, um, face stretchers. Unfortunately. Oh, that was it. What was your crowd like? Do you have a good crowd? oh good question uh it was pretty good i mean i went on sunday afternoon so it was it was pretty full but it wasn't like rowdy Mm. Uh, but good laughs good laugh moments yeah i uh mine was actually pretty so we went um friday morning it's like friday like right afternoon and uh it was only about i don't know it was only about 20 people in the theater so it was actually pretty sparse for a matinee especially for a matinee um so there was most of the laughing was my wife um, but there was some, you know, people were into it. People were, were laughing. 
and people were not cheering, but definitely when uh, there was when those gross stuff happens, there were there was that there was that collective. That's me. That was me. Like that. Uh, so. Yeah, not a good audience. It was it was a good time. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah. All right. Well, we are getting pushed for time, so I think we need yeah, so to. That's a good move transition, though, because we yeah. can talk about how the audience was around the world. Yeah, how did this movie uh, debut in its opening weekend? So we uh, we delayed a recording by a day, and it helped out because uh, between the estimates and the final numbers, the movie went up about four million dollars. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three uh, debuted the weekend of May fifth, twenty twenty three, um, domestically to one hundred and eighteen point four million dollars, which is a pretty solid open. Uh, for this year, uh, as well as you know, any time really, over 100 million has always been good. Yep. Uh, internationally, it <laughs> brought in 170.8 for a worldwide open of 289.3. Um, comparing to that to the other Guardians movies, it's above Guardians One, but it's below Guardians Two in terms of its open. Um, Guardians One opened 100. <laughs> excuse me, 146.5. Guardians One opened in 94, so it's between those two. I think that's a pretty good place to be. It is. It's not a bad place to be, honestly. And uh, Guardians 2 had a lot of the hype because that first one was so good. Right. Um, and, you know, there have been, there's been a dying down. Not everything makes a, you know, a huge amount of money these days. Um, it's right in the middle for the MCU as a whole. It's the new median for uh, the Guardians movie, for the, the entire MCU. Coming in right around the number 16 spot. It opened uh, just a little bit above where Spider-Man Homecoming opened and a little bit below Thor Ragnarok. Again, not bad company. Yeah, so let's go to the letterbox hand. Yeah, so how, how do we want to do this today? We don't, we don't have a third. Do we just want to <clears throat> hope for the best? I do have the the reviews pulled up to mm -hmm. read a couple of faves. Some of these uh, might hurt my heart. I'm just worried. They will, I think. Some. Well, no, I don't know. And not in that way. I don't know. Uh, we've got five stars. This is not a movie. This is a fucking apology letter from Marvel Studios. I don't really know what that means, but it makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Four stars. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. <laughs> uh, three and a half stars. Come for the juvenile sarcasm. Stay for the animal torture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four and a half stars. This is by a good margin my all-time favorite MCU project. Really? That's interesting. And I'll take it, though. Finally... Hooked on a feeling, and that feeling is emotional damage. <laughs> emotional damage. damage. Yeah. One of my favorites. A range um, of a range of feelings in those reviews. Um, you you go first. Um, okay. <laughs> I do kind of feel like it'll be on the higher end. Mm -hmm. I have no memory of what the first and second volumes were. And I'm not gonna no. look. I'm not gonna mm -hmm. give us that. No, we'll save we'll save those for tiebreakers if we need one. But I do think it'll be fairly high. Yeah. So I'm gonna guess a three point seven. Mm. I'm thinking about the same. I will say that because it's still so fresh, I'm gonna hope that it's like a three point nine. Okay. Got three point seven for me and three point nine for you. We were both off. Oh, dang. But in a good way. Oh, it's Because you win. 
Oh, it's higher yeah. than three point nine. It's actually sitting at a four point two right now. Wow, four point two, which is surprisingly high to me. Yeah, well, you know, for most uh, movies, it is. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it'll settle down. I don't remember what movie it was. I was looking at the other day. It's it hard oh, to get Letterbox to agree on something up into the fours. Yeah, I was. I was looking at the the uh, the the. I was looking at. I think it was Return of the Jedi, or it was uh, it was Empire Strikes Back, and they're like at four point four, and I was like four point four. I was like shocked that for That's a movie crazy. to be that high on Letterboxd. Um, 4.2, I'm sure it'll even down, but if it were to stay over 4.0, I would be totally cool with that. I would too. I think that's fair. Uh, um, <laughs> I think my... Yeah. No, you go ahead. You go okay, ahead. I was okay. going to say, I haven't written or posted my review yet on Letterboxd. This is a sacred thing. <laughs> but... So I'm kind of thinking of my rating right off the bat, and I think I'm going to go... With a four point five, okay, you know, um, I think I have enough small nitpicks to keep it from five. Mm. But dang, four and a half is really high. So it has been three days since I saw it, so this could always go down because that happens with me with MCU movies. I rank them really high, and then over time they dwindle down a little bit, not dramatically, but a sure. little bit. You know, Thor, Thor: Love and Thunder was four stars when I first saw it, and now it's down to like a three, but. Uh, I feel like I can confidently say that I love the Guardians movies. I loved Volume Two, and I gave Volume Two five stars. So Volume Three is getting five stars from me. And it may be, you know, that person said it was the best thing they'd ever seen. I don't know if I'm going to put it that high, but I am going to put it. I think it's going to make its way into my top five. I really do because this I'm was not, great. Yep, I'm not going to fight with you on that. I don't think I don't disagree with it. I don't disagree with it. Definitely, for sure, a top ten MCU movie. I think I think it's very and, good. And number one movie of the year now for me. And I think it's going to really like cement this version of the Guardians as like a really good thing that happened. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I don't like people will remember think back on it fondly. Oh, yeah. I don't envy the person who has to follow follow up Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Uh, in the future. All right. Well, that's our show. Yes. That's our show. Um Thank you for watching and or listening. Mm -hmm. We will have plenty of more content for you this month. We got a lot of great things coming up. So be sure to follow us on social media, wherever you are. We are probably there too. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Go follow us there at so many sequels pod. Uh, and then so many sequels.com. You can find those links there. You can find a catalog of all of our past episodes, including guardians, volume one and two. And uh, you can find us on wherever you get podcasts. Mm -hmm. Whatever your favorite podcasting app, go ahead and hit subscribe and leave us a review. That would be awesome. But we'll see you next time. <laughs>